0: this is a breaking news. This is breaking news for uh, any prophecy watcher. Breaking news. I believe that this week that the Antichrist may have revealed himself. And now we need to talk about what does the word Antichrist mean? Because in fact, the Bible talks about how there are many Antichrists. There are many. Anyone that is against Jesus, the Bible, Christians, they are obviously Antichrist. But I think that one of the great antichrist figures, let's put it that way because there are several of them in the book of Revelation, has revealed himself this week on September 23rd. This is the first time that Mohammed bin Salman has done a full interview in the English language on a major uh, western media channel. So Fox News aired this. I watched it in its entirety and I want to comment minute by minute about how important this is and how it relates to which scripture. So I want you to hear it first. I know that some of you have watched my viral video about the visions of the tribulation and you heard that Brandon did not want to say who he saw. Let's describe what he saw, okay? Because when we extrapolate, then then we're adding meaning. What he saw was that when the world goes into chaos after the rapture of the saints, even the leaders of the world don't know what to do. They are clueless and they're looking for for help. And a particular meeting occurs in Berlin, Germany, and a Middle Eastern man, good looking, young, well-spoken, is in this meeting and all the Western leaders are looking to him for answers. And he brings this calm. He brings this assurance to them. And I want you to see the person that Brandon did not mention, but I thought I knew who who he was, I've confirmed it with Brandon, he saw Mohammed bin Salman. As far as we know, obviously, you know, Middle Eastern people in a vision possibly could be him or a relative, and I am not calling him the Antichrist, but I'm calling him a major figure in the book of Revelation, and I want to show you where that is. So uh, let's start with the interview, and I'm going to go blow by blow, just show you, hear it for yourself. And you can see that it's very unusual because Brett Baer from Fox News doesn't usually do this. He covers a lot of domestic news. He's gonna give the full hour. This is like free advertising for Mohammed bin Salman.
1: This is the island of Sindala, the first project in Neom, your Vision 2030. It is spectacular, it is really beautiful. You know, a lot of people have described you as a visionary leader. I talked to a number of your citizens, and that's how they describe you. And you didn't even plant them. That's really how they talk about you. Um, And world leaders are saying the same thing. You've had this transformational change, every aspect of the kingdom, economic, social, cultural, religious. Can you give us some specific examples of what your goals are and how you think all of this is going? Simply, uh, we have in the past uh,
2: few issues in Saudi Arabia and a lot of opportunities that we didn't use, we're trying to capture that and to go forward for a better Saudi Arabia. And
1: that's what we're trying to do. And it's a big vision.
2: It is a big vision. And we uh, we get like surprised every day that uh, we reach our target faster and we ext- extend that to a newer target and a bigger uh, uh, ambition, so it's really exciting. Uh, your ministers say you work them hard. Well, you can see in 2022, we are the fastest G20 country growing. And also in this year, if you, t- if you take just an oil GDP part, uh, we are the second fastest in the G20 growing. So it's like a fight between Saudi Arabia and India, a good fight.
0: Brett Baer gives a glowing compliment to this Mohammed bin Salman, who's the crown prince. That means that he's not yet the leader of Saudi Arabia. But he's considered the de facto leader because his father is very aged, over 80 years old, not in great health. And he's been running the biggest construction project in the world, the sun has. And it's called the Project Neom. It's where we go when we go to Saudi Arabia and show you where the uh, Israelites left Egypt and came into the land of Midian. Moses lived there. Moses went up Mount Sinai and got the Ten Commandments there. That's where Mohammed bin Salman, or MBS, as he's known. You know, in short, MBS is focused on, but Bret Baier gives this glowing introduction that he is a visionary, that he is someone that the world leaders look to. This really puts us in in a path towards Revelation 17, 18. There has to be somebody that the whole world looks to that's going to be in a very opulent society. Uh, And the economy is going to be churning over there. And the whole world is going to be trading and trafficking over there. And it looks very much like Saudi Arabia. So we're going to say right now, without a long teaching, that you need to consider that whatever you heard before about Mystery Babylon, it stayed a mystery because it wasn't revealed until really this week. This is the first time we are hearing advertisement about MBS and about Neom, On international TV fully in English. This is the first time this you could say is the unveiling or the revealing of, maybe not the Antichrist, but it could be. So you need to watch, you need to see. All right, and he himself would not think of himself as an Antichrist. I think that the Antichrist wouldn't know that. It's just like many times when you as a Christian are serving God, you don't know That you're being used of God. You don't know what your destiny is going to be in the ultimate end. You're just following God step by step, but ultimately, wow, well, you could be, you know, one of the great evangelists, one of the great apostles and missionaries. So, everybody is kind of in that, in that, um, in that personal space when they're following whoever they're following. I don't think he knows where the ultimate ending of this is. I don't think he read Revelation 17 and 18, so in many ways, all that he's going to describe is going to be really attractive, really good. And what else would the Antichrist offer? It's going to be something that everybody can celebrate. So this is a big construction project. It's completely dedicated to the green climate change global religion. And Brett Bears is uh, eating it up and he's presenting this to America because one thing I know about Americans is most Americans are afraid of Saudi Arabia. When I say come to Saudi Arabia, let's take an expedition over there and discover the biblical history, people are like, "Oh no, I'm I'm afraid of it." And I tell you, Saudi Arabia is safer than downtown Dallas at night. You wouldn't know that, but MBS has done a lot to clean up the place and this is going to be free advertisement about what he's done so that people are more and more attracted to Saudi Arabia and begin to go there and invest in it. That and that has to be the trajectory if we're going to go to Revelation 17 and 18. Right. Let him speak for himself. I got a lot of comments on this because this is major, major prophetic breakthrough, break, breaking news.
1: You're making a, a transition uh, on trying to get different parts of the economy, not a heavy reliance on oil. Uh, the role of women in the society has evolved significantly. You know, you had this 2030. What do you see 10, 20, 30 years for Saudi Arabia?
2: Yeah. I will give you an example. If you, if you look to the to late 70s, Saudi Arabia, GDP is bigger than South Korea. And now South Korea, it's, I think it's uh, the 10th or 12, uh, 11th largest GDP in the world in 2016. And 2016, we are number 20. So that's a shame. Uh, in in 90, uh, 80, 1980, we, we was GDP number, I think, 12 globally. And then in 2016, we are number 20. So we believe if Saudi Arabia and really the perfect track since that time, we would be among the top seven GDP globally. I'm trying to get Saudi Arabia back on the right track.
0: So remember, uh, they're going to run out of oil. They cannot build their economy on oil only. And MBS said that Saudi Arabia is the fastest growing economy in the G20. He's going to say that they're the fastest growing economy in the world. That's quite a claim, and that's what—that's the kind of empire or nation you need to have to qualify as Mystery Babylon. When to see it, qualifies on many, many levels.
2: You're a data guy. Clearly. We can—we can see today, 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 we are the largest, uh, uh, seventy number seventeen ranked as the largest GDP in the world. But in G20,
1: we are almost ranked number fifteen from twenty in just few years. The G20, you just mentioned it. You really have become a big player on the world stage, and. That G20 rail and ports deal connecting Europe, the Gulf nations, and India, why is that such a big deal?
2: Logistics is important. If you want to manufacture in your country, if you want to move goods, it's, it's important to have a good logistic plan, You work it with many countries, many regions, to be sure that goods pass in the right time. We, for example, uh, that project will cut the time of goods from India to Europe by three to six days. Cut time, save money, and it's more uh, safer, more efficient. Uh, so why not? And it's not about only moving goods and railways and port. It's also about linking uh, grids, energy grids, uh, data uh, cables, and other uh, stuff. Will benefit uh, uh, Europe, uh, Middle East, and also. Uh, uh uh india and most of these it's all of these energy gonna be a green energy that's gonna be produced in the middle east and uh, and being exported to europe and and india so it's a big deal for us
1: and for europe and for india also mentioned in this deal is israel Um, what would it take for you to agree to normalize relations with israel
0: okay this is going to be the one that the prophecy watchers are going to pay attention to what's the relationship between the largest um, I mean, th- this is the mother of Islam. In Saudi Arabia are two of the main cities that have, you know, religious importance for the religion of Islam. It's Mecca and Medina, right? Mecca and Medina. Mecca is where all the 1.8 billion Muslims have to face and bow down to and pray towards this Kaaba, this cube, all right, uh, in the middle of, of, of Mecca. they bow to this five times a day. Then Medina is the place where the uh, Prophet Muhammad is buried. So what's the relationship going to be between this mother of Islam nation and Israel?
2: Well, uh, there is approach from uh, President Biden administration to get to that point. Uh, For us, the Palestinian issue is very important. We need to solve that part and we have a good negotiations continue till now we gotta see where it will go we hope that it will reach a place that it will uh, ease the life of the Palestinians and uh, get Israel back, uh, as a
1: player a in the middle, middle East there were reports that you had suspended talks no no that's, that's not true not true so you think if you were to characterize it are you close every day we get closer it seems it's for the first time
0: uh, a real one serious we're gonna see how it goes as far as uh, giving the right answer uh, he's he's handsome guy he's young he's 38 he's very well spoken he says that he's ready to make a deal with israel but he's also going to take care of the palestinians so everybody is happy with what he's saying so far now brett's going to ask him a bit more difficult question how is he going to deal with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, who's kind of a lightning rod in the Middle East, let's see what he says. Can you make a deal
1: with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Net- Net- Netanyahu, is that somebody you can deal with? Well, uh, in Saudi Arabia
2: policy, we don't interfere with who's running each country, who's there, we work with him. Now we don't have a relation with Israel, but if uh, Biden administration succeeded, to make, I believe, the biggest historical deal since the end of the Cold uh, 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 War, uh, then we're going to start a relationship. And that relationship going to be, be continuous regardless of who's running uh,
0: Israel. Again, absolutely perfect answer from someone that could be a candidate for the Antichrist or an Antichrist. Um, he, has, he has said uh, he's paid homage to the The Saudis, he says, well, we don't actually have any relationship with Israel and we don't interfere with any other country's uh, policy, so they're happy. Then he says he pays homage to Biden. He says, well, if Biden succeeds in normalizing the relationship, then we'll establish the relationship. So he gives face to Biden, who can barely uh, walk and talk at the same time, can't climb up stairs, doesn't remember where he's at and who he's talking to. But he's really given face. This is a very Middle Eastern way of talking, very honorable way of talking. The Western world's forgotten all this. But um, uh, we kind of Easterners completely understand what he's doing. So he's giving face, giving honor, and and kind of holding back a little bit on his role. But in fact, his role is, what he's saying is, this is going to be the biggest peace deal in the world since the end of the Cold War. He realizes his historic presence and significance, so he's kind of um, toning it down. But it's very significant, and for anyone in you know reading and reading prophecy, you know it's significant.
1: I mean, he's seventy-three; you're thirty-eight. Um, but you think maybe there's a chance you could deal with him? If we have a
2: breakthrough of reaching a deal that give the Palestinians their needs
1: and uh, make the region come. We got to walk with whoever's there. Not to go too far, but the concessions Israel would have to give the Palestinians, what would that look like? That's part of the negotiation. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't I want to you.
2: describe things because I, I, I want I want to see really a good life for the Palestinians. So I, I want just to continue the negotiation with the, with the Biden the administration to be sure.
0: Very interesting. So he talks about Brett's trying to press him. So what are the terms of the negotiation? Obviously this is speaking about the Temple Mount. What is going to happen to the Temple Mount? Are we going to see the third temple rebuilt? And he says, No, no, no. We're not going to touch that. We're not touch that. We're going to just say publicly, we're going to make sure the Palestinians are happy. Well, what's the key issue? It's any piece of real estate. I mean, any tree God wants, the devil says you got to have it. If he says I want this one piece of real estate, the devil and and all of you know and all of the enemies are going to want that that place. So something has to break about that that kind of stalemate right now, where the Jews cannot worship freely and Christians cannot pray freely on one of the most significant um, places on earth, you know, the Temple Mount. That's where Jesus preached.
1: Well, on the U.S. side, would there be a defense pact maybe between the Saudi Arabia and and the United States? And what would that, would it look like uh, Article 5 and NATO? Yeah, first of all, we we have some
2: sort of that in the past 80 uh, years. We are the biggest buyer from uh, American uh, armament manufacturing. I believe Saudi Arabia alone is bigger than the next five buyers from uh, America. So so Saudi Arabia is critical in your armament import economically. And we have a lot of security military ties that really strengthen the position of Saudi Arabia in the Middle East and strengthen the position of America globally, especially in Middle East. You don't want that to be shifted. You don't want to see Saudi Arabia shifting their armament from America to other uh, places. So that document, it will strengthen that, it will strengthen the interests of America, security interests, uh, military interests, and also economic interests, and also it will save effort and headache from the Saudi side of not switching to other
0: places. All right, so MBS assures America the, the American military industrial complex no matter what deal he strikes with Israel, don't worry, we'll keep buying your weapons. So that pretty much satisfies everybody. Remember, uh, Russell Brands has been canceled, uh, Tucker Carlson was canceled, they were both canceled ultimately for touching Ukraine. That's what the elites don't want is talk about anything you want, have your own opinions. But do not stop war on this earth. They want war. War is money making. It's a money making machine. And anyone who touched it, doesn't matter how famous they are, they got canceled. Russell Brand is uh, another one of those kind of he's very anti-government. He was very left wing, the darling you know, of, of the left, no matter how sinfully he lived, no matter how degenerate he was, they never said anything about him. But as soon as he came against The war in Ukraine right away. They dug up dirt on him and he had a lot of dirt because he lived a a truly sinful, you know, despicable life. He did, but he's changed. People are allowed to change and and be redeemed. That's going to be my comment about Russell Brand right now. I'll leave it at that, but um, he's saying the right thing. Man, you couldn't get a diplomat, a politician, a world leader to say better things that make every side Feel really, uh, you know, feel goosebumps.
1: You know, there are many people who wonder why you first normalized relations with Iran, a longtime enemy who back in 2017 attacked uh, your oil facilities, um, but yet, not yet, Israel. Can you, you explain that? Based on situation and uh, politics, so
2: uh, we have a long fight with Iran since 79. Uh, uh, we don't. We don't want to be that uh, the norm in the uh, Middle East. If there is opportunity to shift that and to go to prosperity and uh, interest and uh, uh, w- working with Iran and working with the other Middle Eastern, bringing Iran to work with the Arab world, with the Middle East, that, why not? So they they reach to the Iraqis in 2020. The Iraqis talk to us. They start to they start to do that kind of uh, negotiation. Uh, We have few obstacles. China come in, solve it, and then we have a good start. We hope that continues. We're trying our best. And also what we see from the Iranians, that they're taking
1: this very seriously and they're doing their best. So we're investing in that. That's a big change. And clearly you can see outside the box on these, on these deals.
0: All right, that's a big change, Brett says. A huge change that leads to Ezekiel 38-39 war. So in there... We find that a, a very strange alliance happens. At least Turkey and Iran are named clearly as allies in Ezekiel thirty-eight, thirty-nine, and when they uh, invade, when they invade Israel, Sheba and Dadan, which is Saudi Arabia, is is in peace with Israel and says, "What are you coming to do?" So there is some kind of normalization that goes on before that war, where all the Islamic leaders and all the Sunnis and the Shias that were at each other's throats, somehow they have come into some kind of uh, temporary peace, um, ceasefire, truce. And this is exactly what MBS is paving the way for. They're normalizing relations with their arch enemy Iran. Big change, Brett says. You
1: know, you can look to that. Are you concerned though Iran gets a nuclear weapon, about them getting a nuclear weapon? When well, we are concerned of any country getting a nuclear
2: weapon, that's a bad, uh, uh, that's a bad uh, uh, move. And uh, you don't need to get a nuclear weapon because you cannot use it. Even if Iran gets a nuclear weapon, any country use a nuclear weapon, that means they are having a war with the rest of the world. The world cannot see another Hiroshima. If the world sees 100,000 people dead, that means you are in a war with the rest of the world. So it's a useless uh, uh, effort to reach a nuclear uh, weapon because you cannot use it. If you use it, you gotta have a big fight with the rest of the world.
0: It is really interesting because he's almost saying Ezekiel 38 before Ezekiel 38 happens. Is It's almost verbatim in modern language. It's Iran has released a nuclear weapon in the region. That's what Ezekiel 38 shows. There's gonna be radioactivity. There's gonna be a cleanup from all the waste uh, from this war and Sheba and Dedan Saudi Arabia protests and say, why are you coming to the unwalled villages, which is very interesting because anyone who's traveled to Israel knows Israel is walled. I mean, wall to wall. It's got, it's cutting off, uh, you know, the Palestinians from the Israel side. But Neom has been advertised as a city like none other. It will not be built the ancient way, the old way, which which is just kind of chaotically sprawling. And then it has to have walls to protect itself. I mean, by definition, that's what a city is, by the way. If you don't have a wall, you're a town or a suburb or a village, you have a wall. That is the definition of what a city is in the old days. So he said Neom is not going to be like that. It's going to be energy efficient. It's going to be one straight line over 100 kilometers long. You're not going to have to even own a car. You're going to be able to transport yourself back and forth in the most efficient way because it was designed from the beginning. And it is a city without walls. So it looks like Iran not only attacks Israel, I believe that that's a clue. They're attacking Saudi Arabia as well. And Saudi Arabia protests and says, hey, wait a second. If you use nuclear war, nuclear weapons, you are at war with the whole world. And that's why probably Iran will then also attack Saudi Arabia. They've been wanting to do it anyway. They're doing it in proxy through Yemenis, uh, Yemen Yemeni rebels right now. But uh, just amazing. I mean, you can hear now the very words of Ezekiel 38 coming to pass. And it's Mohammed bin Salman who's speaking it in modern parlance.
1: If they get one, will you? If they
2: get one, we have to get one for security reasons and for balancing power in the Middle East. But we
1: don't want to see that. Yeah. It's just a big change. You mentioned China brokering that normalization with Iran. That surprised some folks. Why choose China in that role? We didn't choose China. China China, chose you? China chose uh, uh,
2: to uh, be a broker to make that happen.
1: There are signs of change. Um, Obviously, the renewal of relations with Iran, brokered by China, possibly joining BRIC. Um, uh, China's a big component of that. IS THE KINGDOM reevaluating ITS SECURITY PARTNERSHIPS, KIND OF TRYING TO THINK OF DIFFERENT WAYS TO DO IT?
2: NO, NO. BRICS, IT'S NOT ABOUT POLITICAL uh, uh, ALIGNMENTS. SO IF if YOU LOOK AT THE G20, YOU HAVE, LIKE, TWO GROUPS INSIDE THE G20. YOU HAVE THE G7 AND YOU HAVE BRICS INSIDE G20. WE TRIED TO JOIN THE G7 AT PRESIDENT TRUMP TIME, BUT SOME OF THE COUNTRIES IN G7 uh, HAVE, LIKE, REQUIREMENT TO uh, BE PART OF THAT. And we are seeing that if, if we continue for one decade without being part of a group inside the G20, that could really create obstacles for us economically. So BRICS is an option. They invite us and we welcome that. And BRICS is not uh, a group against uh, America or the West. You have a lot of allies in BRICS. You have India, you have Brazil, and you have South Africa. Those are also as your allies.
0: Perfect answer, once again, a masterful uh diplomat. Masterful. Uh, We're talking about China, who's still considered the enemy of America. We're talking about BRICS, which is considered the enemy of the U.S. dollar. And notice how he answers. He says, "It's, it's all about, it's just economics. These are your own allies politically. Some of the people like Brazil, South Africa, they're your allies. We're not going against you in any way. This is just an uh, you know uh, an economic thing, so when you notice something, whenever there's a sticky situation or a difficult problem, MBS avoids the politics and he goes into we're all going to get rich, we're all going to make money, we're all going to buy and sell weapons. It's going to be fine, right? And with BRICS, he says China's coming in. He says I don't mention about the politics at all. Coming into the Middle East, uh, everyone's going to get prosperous. That's all we want, right? So we're just going to create a. An environment of prosperity and that's how he answers it i notice it again and again quite skilled in answering very difficult questions in this way and people don't don't hear it because they so they love money so much money is what glues the world together because they vary they differ from each other in philosophy religion outlook all this but um but people love money
1: you talk to all these world leaders i mean you talk to all of them and when was the last time you talked to president xi something around
2: I'm not sure, two, to him in... two, four months, it's, yeah, you... yeah, we talk a lot every year. How do you see him? What's he like? Well, he's trying to uh, do the best for China, and he have all the right to do with that. He's a leader of a country, and he wants his country to uh, uh, succeed and to uh, grow, and he have more than one billion uh, people, you don't need to see China failing, if you see China failing, it's around 13, 14 percent of the world GDP, and it's around uh, 15 to 20 percent of the world population. If that country falls, everyone on the planet falls, even America.
1: Yeah. You know, obviously, there's a lot of concern in the U.S. about Taiwan. Um, as you know, President Xi, uh, when it comes to that issue, what do you think his vision 2030 is? We, are not, we announce our
2: policy in that. We believe in one China. And I believe so. Is America believing in that? Uh, There is few uh, arrangement there. I believe the Chinese is respecting that till now.
1: And we're gonna look forward how it goes. What about Russia? You deal with President Putin. Um, What's your thought about Russia inside Ukraine? What's
2: happening there, it's something bad. We don't want to see it. Uh, Invading uh, a country, it's something against uh, the rules of the UN. And the Saudi void, void against uh, against that. The Russian have the excuse of why they did that, of expanding the NATO, etc., of their lists of excuse. But invading a country is, is, really, uh, is really bad. Uh, uh, in Saudi Arabia, we have a good relation with Russia, uh, and also we have good relation with Ukraine. We have amazing and critical trade with Ukraine and Russia. So for us, we try to do our
1: best to push for a few steps to solve this problem. I mean, he tried to host peace talks. Uh, Russia didn't come. But I wanted to ask you about, you know, supporting Russia.
0: So he really, um, you know, even as powerful as he is, did you notice that he will not touch the war in Ukraine? So the things that Tucker Carlson and Russell Brand touch, these are no no's. All right. Right now in the world, whoever is is in charge of Of weapons and wars, they do not want to end the war in Ukraine. And even a powerful man like Mohammed bin Salman doesn't want to touch it at all. So it just says it's just bad to invade a country. What he's saying is, yeah, we have to keep going along with this endless war and supplying money to a corrupt Zelensky government, and we can't really question it. So we don't want to talk about that. Now he's going to go on to Russia a bit a bit more.
1: I spoke to your energy minister who was fantastic, Prince Abdulaziz, about your decision for oil production cuts. And he told me that it was based on volatility and trying to stabilize the market. There are some supporters of Ukraine who say by doing that and prices spiking that you have essentially boosted Russia's war effort at a time when the country, every country, a lot of countries are trying to squeeze him to get out of Ukraine. So how do you deal with that? So you're system? talking about support of Ukraine, but how about the president of Ukraine? What did he say?
2: He said totally something against that. He said Saudi Arabia is supporting Ukraine, supporting to solve the problem between Ukraine and Russia and trying to be a mediator to help in that uh, uh, area. And if we are doing a deal in OPEC-plus country to support Russia... Iran is part of uh, the OPEC plus country and at that time Iran was our enemy. We don't have that alignments uh, that we have uh, today. So are we are we all supporting Iran at that time? That doesn't make any sense. For us in sure. Saudi Arabia we just watch supply demand. If there is shortage of supply our role in OPEC plus is to fill that shortage. If there is oversupply our role Olympic plus to measure that for the stability of the market.
1: So it doesn't have anything
2: other than that? No, it's purely about demand supply.
0: You see that? There's a very difficult question about, hey, Saudi Arabia is supposed to be America's ally, but yet you are acting in the interests of Russia. When the whole world was trying to sanction Russia to punish them for the invasion of Ukraine, uh, Saudi Arabia basically said, you know, we're going to let the price of oil rise, which made Russia something like five times richer after the invasion, and that's directly on the, you know, the responsibility of that is on the doorstep of Saudi Arabia, and Brett says, hey, look, everybody says you are helping Russia more than Ukraine, and what's his answer? So diplomatic, sidesteps all the politics and the ill feelings, and he says, it's just supply and demand, that's all we do. You know, you know that you got to be kidding, right? He's not looking at just supply and demand. But it's a great answer for someone to say that's going to get everyone to love him. So every answer right now, people uh, in the world would love this. And if you don't read the Bible, you wouldn't have any other perspective. I mean, personally, I, I would love him. If I did not know the Bible, I would say, wow, this leader speaks better than Biden, even better than, uh, even better than Trump. I mean, this one has got all the answers. Can you imagine if the world descends into chaos? They will be looking for someone either like him or precisely him to help them?
1: It is coming up on the five year anniversary of the brutal murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi in your consulate in Turkey. US intelligence pointed to you as ordering that attack. I've heard you address this several times, uh, saying you didn't order the murder, uh, saying it was horrible and a mistake, and that as a leader, you take a responsibility as a leader of the country. But, but five years later, what do you tell people in the US who still have concerns, and journalists maybe around the world, and maybe potential tourists who would come here to Sindala, uh, that they wonder if anything changed, or if it could happen again?
0: This is going to be damage control right now. The rest of this is a lot of answers about things that Americans would care deeply about. For instance, the murder, the brutal torture and murder of a journalist, a Saudi journalist who criticized the government of Saudi Arabia. His name was Khashoggi. And he was basically pulled aside into the Saudi embassy and just, you know, cut piece by piece. So this was gruesome, horrific, targeted. It's inside of the Saudi embassy. You can't say it was a street thing. At least, you know, in America, the Democrats try to, they will try to kill you while you're swimming. Like Obama's chef just died, you know, in, in shallow water. And he, he's an expert swimmer, an athlete. He's gone. So many people are gone to walk. Another guy from the DNC that had some some data about, I think, the election, he he was supposed to testify. He just died walking in the streets of Washington, D.C. But this is inside the Saudi embassy. This has to be ordered by somebody really high at the top. So Americans are very concerned about this. It's very damaging to the reputation of Saudi Arabia. How could the world love this world figure? Let's see how he answers this.
2: Well, uh, we take all the legal measurement that any country took, like when america have mistakes in iraq they do investigation trial etc
0: we did that in saudi arabia and the case being closed it's fantastic he throws it back and says just like america commits atrocities in iraq america commits atrocities in afghanistan and what do you guys do you guys just say we're going to investigate it you know there's a las vegas shooting you can hear two different guns you don't you don't identify who the gun gunman is you don't identify the motive Three years later, we don't know what happened. What do you say? The Americans say, we're going to investigate this. We're going to be really transparent about this. And of course, there's no transparency. It's such a great line that the Americans use all the time. And he uses it back on us saying, I'm no different. Now, this is only one case you guys got so many cases so many wars so we're going to start our own investigation he says
2: uh, and also we try to uh, reform the security system to be sure that these kind of mistakes doesn't happen again uh, and we can see in the past five years nothing of those things happened. it's not part of what saudi arabia do in the last hundred uh, uh, year it was a mistake it was painful and we're trying our best to be sure that we reform our system to work by the book and to be sure that everyone is uh,
0: safe, not in Saudi, in the whole globe. This is true, by the way. Huh? So nothing like it has happened. Saudi Arabia feels to me, I travel all over the world. It feels very safe. Day and night, you walk around, you feel really safe. All right. There's very low crime over there. and um, And and they did it. They, they said, this is a mistake and they're not going to do it again. But you know, it's the kind of mistake that basically says, you've been warned, right? This is an example. So it does, you know, throw a lot of cold, icy water on any opposition, but they're saying, you know, just, we're going to give you a little more freedom, but watch what you say. That's the warning.
1: Did anyone involved in the killing serve jail time? Yes. Anyone,
2: anyone involved is, is serving jail time. You have to to face the law.
1: And you're trying to change the law broadly, to make sentences more realistic?
2: More realistic for us as Saudi, not for foreign people. Uh, But we believe today it's far away from realistic for us as Saudi. So we are not proud of all of our laws in Saudi Arabia.
1: There was this AP Associated Press article um, that just came out a couple weeks ago uh, with the headline that said, Saudi man receives death penalty for posts online, latest case in wide-ranging crackdown on dissent, I guess dealing with his posts on X, formerly Twitter. So one, is that true? And two, are you changing that aspect? Yeah. Shamely it's true. Uh,
2: So it's something I don't like. Can't you change
1: that?
2: Uh, we are doing our best to do that. We, are, we, we already had uh, a few laws. We changed tens of laws in Saudi Arabia, and the list have more than 1,000 uh, items, and in the cabinet, I have only 150 lawyers. So I'm trying to prioritize uh, the change day by day, but we are not happy with that. We are ashamed of uh, 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 that, but the judicial system uh, have to follow the laws, and I cannot tell. The judge that do that and ignore the law because that will that's against the rule of uh, law but do we have bad laws yes are we are changing that
1: yes do you think that guy is going to get killed for the post
2: well uh, I, I believe there's few steps in the trials uh, I'm, I, I, I'm hoping that in the next uh, phase of, of trials The judge there is more experience and they might look at it totally different
0: i don't know if you caught that but that's how uh royalty speaks okay that's how you send a signal and uh, i lived in one of the last kingdoms on earth uh thailand is a kingdom jordan is a kingdom saudi arabia is a kingdom so americans often don't understand kingdoms and the subtleties and the kind of the um the the cues and the signals that are sent out but he just said that will the online dissenter get uh, jail time or get uh, executed. And he said, well, it, this is going to go to another court. And I hope that a more experienced court will basically throw it out. So he's called the lower court inexperienced. And he's saying, I hope that they will change it. Well, obviously, that's a command straight from the top. They're going to have to change uh, the, the sentencing. And the guy's not going to get executed because then Neon would be at risk. And he wants to build Neom, he wants money, he wants all the whole world to come and trust Saudi Arabia. And so we have a window of time to go there, even though we know that later on, it looks like it's going to become Mystery Babylon. It's just like there were days when Israel looked in trouble, they got punished, they got invaded, they got deported. But it doesn't mean you don't live in Israel forever, you don't tour there. So in the same way, I want people to start piecing together prophecy and realize there is an ultimate sad ending to the Project Neon, but while it's in its glory days and its heydays, the world's going to get excited. The world's going to fall in love. He's going to become extremely popular. And I think he's in Revelation 17, 18, not quite the Antichrist in Revelation 13, but the woman that rides the beast in Revelation 17. And I'll read a little bit of it for you to for you to make sense of it. But I want to say one more thing before we get to the scripture. You notice a lot of people write to us and you've heard this people say, how could the Jews ever follow in an Islamic antichrist? I can't understand that that's never going to happen. Well, can you see here's a man that's brokering the biggest peace deal on Earth since the end of the Cold War. And he's able to, to be very congenial about the most complex, difficult quagmires of global politics. And he's saying it in such an agreeable, you know, uh, appeasing way, compromising way. And he took full responsibility for the murder of the journalist. And he's saying, I'm going to change the system. But I can't just tell the judge what to do, even though he just did, right? But he's going to work at changing the law. Well, that's what in the end, the Bible describes one of the characteristics of the Antichrist is that he will change the law. So it's very easy for me to see. And I don't know why it's hard for others to see that. Yes. Secular Jews who don't even believe or read the Torah anymore would fall in love with a very charismatic, young, handsome Arabic leader. Very easy to see. And I think he has just been revealed this week to the world. We prophecy teachers have been talking about it for years. Don't look at the wrong place. Don't look at Rome and Brussels and all that because you're living in America. You have a Eurocentric worldview. No, the Bible is Middle Eastern centric, it's a Middle Eastern book. So right now, um, this is the first time where I think Americans are going to be- begin to change their impression of the Middle East, and it's going to look very a lot nicer.
1: Recently in the U.S., we remembered the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Uh, as you know, 15 of the 19 hijackers uh, were Saudis. And the 9-11 victims' families, you know, they make their feelings clear, especially around the anniversary, that they believe there's intelligence that somehow links the Saudi government to supporting or facilitating those hijackers. What do you say to those 9-11 families 22 years later?
0: All right. Interesting. 22, the number of the Jews, the number of end times, the number of chapters in Revelation. Again, 22 years later, he comes out. He's asked a very difficult question, 15 of the... uh, airplane hijackers were Saudi citizens. The other one was uh, one from the UAE, one from Egypt, uh, one, I I forget uh, the last one, but uh, two more. So, but the majority by far are Saudi citizens and the Saudis fund terrorism everywhere. And if you see a mosque and an imam in your town, it's paid for by the Saudis. So the opulence, the wealth, the rich, the influence of Saudi Arabia cannot be denied. It is what is described in Revelation 17, that is not Jerusalem. Jerusalem is not controlling all of the Gentile world. But you know that Saudi Arabia, just in terms of lobbying money, out lobbies all the big pharma, big bank, big tech, all of that combined. Saudis have given $1.5 billion to the Bush family. They gave at least 30 million dollars to the clinton foundation they gave over 2 billion dollars to jared kushner because he's the son-in-law of trump so all of them trump or democratic uh sorry uh, republican or democratic they're all being paid for by saudi arabia and that's pay for play that's influence money that's soft bribery right legal bribery so he has that influence uh, more than any other country in the world to be Mystery Babylon.
2: I'm very sorry that anyone loses any, any one of his family. No one wants to lose his family, uh, uh, especially in, in a way like, uh, uh, like that. Yes, there's 15 Saudi in that uh, being planned by Osama bin Laden. That's well, well known. Osama bin Laden being planned also a lot of attacks in Saudi Arabia. So it doesn't make any sense that we work with the guy who's the uh, doing terrorist attack in Saudi Arabia in the 90s and after that
0: great answer okay so he he draws empathy he says yeah Osama bin Laden Saudi and his henchmen were were Saudis but Osama bin Laden also planned many attacks inside of our country so he's creating empathy and and a. And a and an emotional link between the two.
2: And Killing Saudis and foreign people at that time in Saudi Arabia. He's our enemy and he's the American enemy. The main attempt for Osama Bin Laden, and that's by the reports, the main attempt of Osama Bin Laden is to recruit as much as they can, as uh, he can, uh, Saudis, to be sure that he create a problem between America and Saudi
1: Arabia. So if people in America fall to that, that means Osama Bin Laden succeed in his plan. You're credited with going after uh, extremists, jihadi extremism in the country. Uh, is that still happening? The country was conservative
2: uh, before, and it's not only Saudi Arabia was conservative. Even America was conservative before. Time change, uh, reforms comes, and that's what's happening in Saudi Arabia.
1: After the Khashoggi killing, President Biden called Saudi a pariah nation. Then he visited here and he had the closed fist, the fist pump. Uh, then it's an open hand recently at the G20 with a a handshake and a smile thanking you for your leadership. It's fair to say the U.S. relationship with Saudi is is complicated. How would you describe your current relationship with President Biden? The only thing that doesn't change in politics, that is
2: changing. (laughs) So always you change your politics that serve your goals as a nation. We have today great great work with President Biden. We are working in the big uh, network that we're building between India, Saudi Arabia, uh, Europe. We are working with... Uh, peace arrangement with israel and palestine palestine we are we have a, 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 the longest ceasefire in yemen and there is a lot of good progress uh, to uh, create political solution and we have a lot of work in security stability in the region also beyond in, uh, in ukraine we have amazing work in technology r d uh, 6g investment and r d in the rest of america space industry and many uh, uh, areas so the agenda
1: between Saudi Arabia and America today it's really interesting and we have really amazing relation with President Biden. You talk with him behind the scenes in the U.S. right now there's a lot of focus even from his own party about his age he's 80 you're 38 as I mentioned you've worked with him you've met with him what's your assessment? He's sharp and he focuses
2: he's really well-focused well-prepared and so that's
1: what I see yeah
0: He's asking about Biden twice, and he's not going to say anything negative about Biden at all, so he saves his face. I think um, we're going to get into the Word of God, uh, and then just let him say some words in closing. But let's go now to Revelation 17. If you're not familiar with Mystery Babylon, this is my candidate for Mystery Babylon, and I want to show you a little bit about it. All right, so let's go to Revelation chapter 17 and we'll pick up from, let's say, verse 2. Well, might as well just start. Verse 1, There came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, or the seven bowls, these are the last judgments, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Right. So there's a prostitute. Prostitution is a term for idolatry in the Bible, right? spiritual idolatry. So spiritual prostitution is idolatry. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So there's no bigger idolatry uh, religion or idol in the whole world than a piece of rock and a meteorite that 1.8 billion people bow down to five times a day. That is the greatest idol ever invented by humanity. Verse 2 uh, verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. The word wilderness means desert, okay So it's not it's not Washington DC. that's not in a desert. It has to be in the desert, in the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of the names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color. And deck with gold and precious stones and pearls and having a golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication so i won't dissect all of this today verse 5 and he sh- and upon her forehead was a name written mystery babylon the great the mo- mother of harlots and abominations of the earth and i saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs and of jesus the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. I noticed this is a hard translation for some of you. This is King James, which I enjoy. I'm going to switch over to something a little bit easier. Let's go to the English Standard Version, okay? Let's pick up from verse 6. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast which you saw was... And is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction." So this beast cannot be Rome. It cannot be Europe because it, it was and is not. The, the ruling empire that oppressed Israel in the days of John the Revelator was the Roman Empire. So the empire that is, is Rome. But he says, no, it was and is not. This is the empire that's, representing, that's represented by the beast. It was and is not and it is to come this calls for a mind with wisdom the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated not seven hills of rome seven mountains then he will describe what are they in verse 10 they are also seven kings so it's got nothing to do with the hills of rome these are seven kings or kingdoms five of whom have fallen all right so there were five other empires in the bible before rome one is, that's Rome, the other has not yet come. When he does come, he must remain only a little while. As for the beast that was and is not, so it's not Rome, not Europe. It is the eighth, but it belongs to the seven, and it goes to destruction. And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings which, who have not yet received royal power. I love this one. This is very amazing. So this gets right to Brandon's vision. So I want to get to this point and, and focus on this. It says, the 10 horns that you saw on this beast are 10 Kings who have not yet received royal power. Wait a second. What does that mean? What are 10 Kings that don't yet have royal power? That doesn't make any sense at all. Well, it does make sense if you realize the word King is used all throughout the Bible in general to refer to Kings royalty or elected officials like presidents and prime ministers. So in the West today, we have kings or rulers who have no royal power. And guess what they want? They crave it more than anything else. They want royal power. What does that mean? Absolute authority. They want a bit of past laws and not be interfered with and obstructed by the will of the people. The will of the people, written in constitutions, are being challenged and changed. They're obnoxious to these elected officials. And what they crave so much is absolute power. That's royal power. So what the Bible describes is in the end times, like many people have seen in visions before before the tribulation occurs, some catastrophe will happen, some internet shutdown, uh, the rapture, whatever it is that, that you believe is going to happen, the world descends into darkness and chaos, and then they're going to give their power to the beast. And they're going to want absolute power for themselves. So 10 of them are going to get this. It says, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour. They want to have this power to receive it for one hour together with the beasts. These are of one mind and hand over their power and authority to the beasts, to this kingdom and to the person that's inside of this kingdom, the eighth. These are of one mind. They hand the authority over to him. They will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them, for he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So he's going to be king over all the corrupt prime ministers, members of parliament, all these officials, even even presidents these days. He's the Lord and the King of them all. And those with him are called, chosen and faithful. Praise God. That's a little bit of Revelation chapter 17. And you can see it's beginning to make sense, isn't it? It's a kingdom that's not Rome. It's after Rome, which is what? It's the caliphate. The greatest empire that came after Rome split. Even the Byzantine Empire was mainly centered in Turkey. And then that became the Ottoman Empire. That's the seventh kingdom. And then the eighth will be, it rises up out of that something out of the United States of Islam is going to rise up and somebody out of that is going to be the Antichrist. But in the meantime, Revelation says 17 says, there is a woman who rides the beast, but the beast will then turn and devour her. Well, this is a perfect picture now of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is riding the beast, the United States of Islam, which has not yet come to pass, but we're going to see it come to pass. It's going to make the whole world wonder. The beast that was not, but but is to come. He rises up. This kingdom rides that beast all right, into great luxury, wealth, opulence. It's going to be very popular out of all the kingdoms, uh, the Islamic empires, the Islamic countries. This is going to be very popular. Neom is going to be a popular project. The Greenies are going to love it. Even the atheists bow down to, you know, uh, Islam. They, they don't mind, uh, you know, respecting Islam. So it's going to ride the beast, but then because it's a friend of America, it's a friend of Israel, makes peace with Israel. Because of these things, the beast system will then devour Saudi Arabia. Wow. That's exactly where we're heading. We're not far off from all of that. And that takes us to Ezekiel 38, 39, which is Armageddon. It's the last battle. What am I saying, folks? America, the West, you have your last, last warning last awakening, wake up to Bible prophecy, know that it's very soon, use your life, live a clean life and live a holy life and begin to serve God and his purposes. I think Saudi Arabia is coming up. You should go and see it. You should see how, you know, what transpired in the Bible, according to the word of God in that land. And we have an opportunity to be salt and light in that land while MBS is promoting peace and freedom. And maybe I was wondering, why is he called the woman that rides the beast? Because in the Islamic world, he would be considered very liberal. Now, he to us, he's very conservative. But relative to the Islamic world, he is almost a feminist. He's almost being too feminine, pro-feminine. How? They're still covered from head to toe. But he's allowing them to go out on chaperone. He's allowing them to play music, all of these things. He's allowing them to drive cars. You know, again, we would consider that um, conservative, you know, allowing them to drive cars. But for them, it's very feminist. So maybe that's why in the end time, that kingdom is considered the woman that rides the beast system, right? We're going to see it unfold in front of our eyes. But this week was absolutely historic. We see the unfolding of the revelation of either the Antichrist, which is what Brandon believes. I believe differently. I believe that he is or he will become part of the woman, the harlot, the great harlot, that rides the beast, and then the beast turns around and devours her.
1: Custodian of the two holy mosques is a title held by the Saudi king, um, and it's a really serious responsibility, always well understood in the U.S. Could, could you say something for our viewers about the obligation that implies for the Saudi king, how big a deal that is in the broader Islam? Well, the two holy sites in Saudi Arabia, it's the two holy sites of Muslims. Uh, In
2: Mecca, you have Kaaba, which they face five times a day, and they have to visit one-time life. And you're talking about almost two billion people in the, uh, the planet. And in Medina, you have the grave of the Prophet. So, uh, the duty of any king of Saudi Arabia and the duty of all Saudi peoples to serve those two places and to serve the visitors of those places. And I believe we, we did
1: a wonderful job in that area. Thank you for answering all of these questions. I just spent the past three days here, and I've visited here many, many times before. And I personally have seen major transformations, not just for women, but the building and the cranes and how people look at this country. For people on the outside looking at this, what would you tell them you know if they want to come visit they may be skittish about coming to saudi arabia because of what has been written in the past what it, what they see what, what would you tell them i will tell them the greatest success story in the twenty
2: one century is saudi arabia this is the story of this century do you
1: want to miss it or not that's your call <laughs> and do you think you're going to slow down at all no no we are trying to speed up every day <laughs> your royal highness we really appreciate this time shukran
0: Thank you. And very interesting. Brett Baer actually speaks in Arabic a couple of times. That one he said, Shokran. So he's really doing a puff piece. This is like a one hour promo of Saudi Arabia, which uh, I I happen to enjoy. I enjoy going to Saudi Arabia. I'm all in agreement with Mohammed bin Salman. People should go to it. We're going to do a tour in February 2024. We'd love uh, for Christians to join. We believe it's safe. We believe favor is on us to go. And we can go and be in salt and light while we're learning the actual places where the Bible events took place.
2: Get the most out of it and does uh, things that you won't normally get on any other tours
1: when you're with other believers it makes a difference other people with the same mindset as you uh, we all bring our individual interests and talents uh to the group i loved the fellowship pastor steve is very knowledgeable under the, the
0: scriptures don't hesitate and having saudi arabia open right now was well, a miracle
1: in itself and open to a christian tour beyond belief that I was so blessed to be able to come and spend this time in Saudi Arabia,
0: especially as a woman and as a Christian. Civilization changed at this place. No, not in this tent, although it is the Feast of Sukkot. Uh, Right over there, we are going to camp right here at the base of Mount Sinai and we're going to take our first team, our first expedition up there. It's about a three-hour hike. But we've got Bedouin hospitality here. We've got comfortable tents. I'm going to start off around 5, 6 in the morning. I'm going to climb that peak. And you see the chart top of that. That's Mount Sinai. I never get tired of looking at that. So it's going to be a wonderful climb. We're going to have a wonderful meal together. And I invite you to come and join me in our next expedition of the biblical tour of Saudi Arabia. That's following the footsteps of Musa, Moses the prophet, the great prophet.